Good morning, everybody. Blessing to be here. To sing songs of praise and worship, to gather around the table. Appreciate landing your words. Remind us. I love that we, uh, we gather every Sunday and we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I, it would be unfathomable to me to, to do that once a quarter or maybe twice a year. Uh, I don't know. I've, I, of course, I've grown up in the Church of Christ all my life, and uh, that is our custom to take it uh, every Sunday, and we do that because uh, it seems that the early Christians did that. They gathered together on the first day of the week and broke bread. So I love our time, and I love our worship. Um, thank you for being here. First Samuel chapter 29, turn your Bibles there. We're going to spend a little time there in chapters 29 and 30. You know, when you move to a new place, you don't know what goes on. You don't know what happens in the, the local uh, scene. But yesterday was thunder over Louisville. How many of you guys went down to the river and uh, got baptized? I mean, saw fireworks. Anybody? We didn't actually physically go down. We, we were told about it. Um, you know, sometimes when you're from a place and it's local, a lot of times you're like, eh, I'm not going to do that. We'll do it next year. It's always here. Uh, but um, our very own Scott Monday uh, flew. Scott Monday, not Monday, Monday, uh, flew a plane yesterday, uh, from what I understand. And um, that's a big deal. Uh, we tuned in last night after it got dark and uh, watched the fireworks. I was also told that that was the biggest fireworks display of anywhere in the nation. Is that right? I mean, it, it looked bigger than any 4th of July celebration I've ever been to, and I was watching it on TV. Uh, I guess as the crow flies, I must live about seven, eight, nine miles from the river. It sounded like it was in my backyard. Did you guys hear that? Boom, boom, boom. Uh, my wife went out to see if we could see anything last night because it sounded like it was right on top of us. But after we tuned in and watched it on TV a little bit, man, you could understand, that was a phenomenal fireworks display. Now, I, it beat anything I've ever seen. Uh, so I think next year, weather permitting, and it's a little bit warmer, um, I'm going to go and check that out. I like, I like my Saturday nights to kind of be at home. Uh, one, because I'm getting older, uh, and I like to get in bed at a decent hour. But two, I, you know, it's, uh, it's Saturday night, and i got to be rested for Sunday, man. This is, this is my favorite day of the week, and I don't want to come in here dragging and be tired, and, and I need my beauty sleep. You know that. Uh, I need a lot of sleep to, to do anything with this. So, Mike, it's good to see you this morning, brother. We are praying for you. I just looked over and saw I've been missing you because that's your seat. Um, we're praying for our brother Mike. It's so good to see him um, begin chemo treatments this Tuesday. So, um, and we're going to come over and pray with you guys tomorrow night. Man, it's good to see you here. You know, Saul was the very first king in Israel. You know, God uh, drew out from among the peoples of the earth a people for himself. That started with Abraham. Saul was the very first king of Israel. Uh, the people said, we want a king, and God said, you don't need a king. I'm your king. I'm the only king you need. 
And the people said, all the nations around us have a king. We want a king. And God said, that's not going to turn out well for you. That king will uh, force your sons into battle. They will die. They will fight. And that, that's not what you want. And they said, we want a king. And so God gave them the desire of their heart. Guess what? Didn't turn out real well for Israel with Saul as their king. Saul may have started off okay, but uh, there toward the end of his life, he, he was disobedient to God, and God said, I'm taking the kingdom away from you, and I'm going to give it to someone else. And you remember there was a young boy who had fought and defeated Goliath, the giant of the Philistines. His name was David. David had been anointed to replace Saul as the king of Israel. Saul didn't like it because after David killed Goliath, you remember the people began to sing a song. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Was that true? Well, at the time it wasn't true. He said, I have killed a lion and a bear. Oh my. But he hadn't slain tens of thousands. But that's what everybody was saying after he defeated Goliath. So David is now God's anointed. But at this time, he's not yet become king. King Saul has actually tried to kill David on several occasions. And David has also had a couple of occasions where he could have killed King Saul, but he would not do it. He said, I will not kill the Lord's anointed. No one could do that and be guiltless. And so even though he had opportunity to take Saul's life, he would not do it because God had anointed Saul as king. So David, in our story this morning, in the, in the text, um, he flees from Saul, and we find him hiding out of all places in Philistine territory. The great champion of the Philistines, Goliath, David had killed him, and now in his uh, zeal to get away from Saul, he finds himself hiding out in the territory of the Philistines. So we look at, at 1 Samuel chapter 29. The Philistines are gathering their forces, and they are going to battle against Israel, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 29. This is the word of the Lord. The Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring in Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. David's got about 600 of, of his men that have followed him. And so they're now at the rear of the army going out to fight against the Israelites. The commanders of the Philistines asked, what about these Hebrews? Achish replied, is this not David, 
who was an officer of Saul, king of Israel, he has already been with me for over a year. And from the day he left Saul until now, I have found no fault in him. So you see, David has come. He came into the area of the Philistines. He has got, he's received protection from uh, the king of the Philistines, Achish. And he, he asked the king, if you would give me some territory. He said, I don't deserve to live in the royal city where you are if you would just give me some little outpost. And so the king gave him a city called Ziklag so that David could live with his men. Uh, this was sort of a ruse, if you will, for David because David goes raiding and he winds up uh, killing and raiding a lot of uh, his enemies, not the Israelites, but when the king, Achish, would ask him, where have you gone raiding today? Kind of like you, we would say, where have you gone shopping today? The king says, where have you gone raiding today? And, and he would say, oh, we've, we've raided in Judah, and we've raided these places. And so the king of the Philistines, Achish, thinks that David is on his side. But the commander said, what about these Hebrews? And he's like, this is David. He's, he's, he's good. He's been with us for over a year, and he's okay. Verse 4, but the Philistine commanders were angry with him and said, send the man back that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us during the fighting. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David that they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands? They, they have not forgotten. They've not forgotten who David is. David killed Goliath. He's our enemy. He's not our friend. So Achish called David and said to him, As surely as the Lord lives, you have been reliable, and I would be pleased to have you serve with me in the army. From the day you came to me until now, I have found no fault in you, but the rulers don't approve of you. Turn back and go in peace. Do nothing to displease the Philistine rulers. Look at what David said. But what have I done? What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my Lord the King? That's sort of an ambiguous statement, isn't it? He says, why can't I go out and fight against the enemies of my Lord the King? Is he talking about King Achish, or is he talking about King Saul? You see, we don't really know. It's a pretty ambiguous, pretty ambiguous statement. Achish answered, I know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the Philistine commanders have said he must not go with us into battle. Now get up early along with your master's servants who've come with you and leave in the morning as soon as it is light. So David and his men got up early in the morning, go back to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel to fight against Israel. So the Philistine commanders, they're not going to be taken in by this. David is, is lining up with his men, 600 of his fighting men, in the rear of the army as they're, as they're marching out. And they're like, no, 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 David's, David's not going to go with us. 
uh, he could turn on us in battle, especially from the rear. He could wind up killing us. And, and King Achish uh, is like, no, this is David. He's a, he's a good guy. He's now one of us. And they're like, I don't think so. I don't think so. You tell them to turn and go back to Ziklag where you've given them land and they're not going into battle with us. So that's exactly what happens. Now, let's pick up in chapter 30. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. You remember the Amalekites? The Amalekites are also sworn enemies of Israel. When God led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and, and they, they needed to pass through um, the, the country there, King Amalek would not let them go through, and God, God had it in for the Amalekites all of this time, sworn enemies of Israel. So now the Amalekites, while David and his men were preparing to go into battle with the Philistines, possibly, the Amalekites came and raided Ziklag, took all of their stuff, took all of their women and their children. Verse 3, when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Have you ever found yourself there? No more tears, weary you couldn't even cry any more tears if you had them, and you don't have any more. That's where they were. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. David, this would not have happened if we hadn't gone out with you supposedly going to battle with the Philistines. Because we left, now all of this has happened. And they're thinking about picking up stones and killing David. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But look at this. But David found strength in the Lord as God. How many times on how many hills had a young shepherd boy named David, spent time with, with God, spent time in prayer, spent time looking at the stars, spent time looking at the, the world around him and just praising God. And so now we find David finding strength in the Lord as God. David said to Abiathar, the high priest, he said, um, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? He said, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to Bezor Ravine, where some stayed behind, for 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. But David and 400 men continued the pursuit. 
They found an Egyptian in a field. They brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. I'd, I'd have to be real hungry. Uh, I'm not a raisin guy, you know. Raisins are like shriveled up dead grapes. They're, they, they're like on their way out the door, you know. A grape is like, is healthy. A raisin is like a dead shriveled thing. And I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of love for them. But I guess if I'd, I was really hungry, I could eat two cakes of raisins. He ate them and he was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. There you go, three days and three nights. Yeah, raisins would taste pretty good. David said, to whom do you belong and where do you come from? He said, I'm an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Carathites. We raided the, um, and the territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag. There you go. David said, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master and I will take you down to them. He led David down and there they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day and none of them got away. Well, except for 400 of young men who rode off on camels, and they fled. Look at this, verse 18. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. So here you have it. They'd gone off to battle. They were gone for at least three days. When they returned to Ziklag, they find all of their stuff, all of their women and children gone, all of their livestock completely plundered, and the city has been burned to the ground. David inquires of the priest, shall we go? Shall we go and find them? He says, yes. Uh, they inquired of the Lord, and they said, yes, you will surely overtake them. They do that, and they get all of their stuff back. They reclaimed all of their stuff, all of their property. Nobody was harmed. And in fact, they wound up plundering more stuff and bringing that back as well. If I remember correctly, it was September of 1996. I went home for, for lunch about noon, and the, the garage door of my house was up, and there was no one home. That's a little odd. We didn't typically leave the garage door up and nobody at home right in the middle of the day. So I, I parked my truck... And I kind of had a, an uneasy feeling. It wasn't overwhelming, but I had kind of an uneasy feeling. And as I walked up, I noticed that the door inside of the garage that goes into the house was wide open. Hmm. Something didn't feel right. 
I walked into the, to the edge of the garage, and there was a big pool of oil at the back, at the front end of the garage, not, not where you pour your car in, where it might be up there, but at the very back, there was a, a fresh pool of oil right in the center of the garage. Now I'm starting to really, you know, not feel right. I remember picking up a baseball bat that was um, there in the garage, and I went out, and I walked around the garage, and I walked to the back through the fence, and I went around to the back of the house, and I kind of swung wide, and, and, and look, we had some French doors on the back of the house, and I remember looking in, and the door was just shattered, it just broken and shattered, and was standing ajar. The door was ajar, if you can believe that. So I have my little baseball bat, and I slowly walk in because I didn't want, I didn't want anybody to be in there, honestly. I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I don't know if you knew that or not. So I go in, and I, and, I, and I just see there was a big brick, a big rock that was lying in the middle of the carpet, and glass shattered everywhere. So I cautiously walk in, bat in hand, and I, and I kind of go through the house, and there's no one there. So I come back, and I'm standing there in the living room where my stereo system used to be. It's gone. Uh, entertainment center where the TV was. It's gone. And these guys must have been professionals because they didn't even stop to unplug things. I look back, and everything that was plugged in is still plugged in, and they just, they just cut cords. So it's plugged in with about three or four inches of a wire hanging there. And I'm, and I'm sitting there, you know, I'm thinking, all of my albums, I mean, I had turntable album, these big speakers that I'd had for years. You know, I love classical music. I love the classics, uh, like Billy Joel and Kansas and Sticks and Foreigner, all the classical things. And I had all these albums in there, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I can replace that. I walked through the rest of the house. Um, a couple of uh, firearms were taken and tennis rackets and, and camera. My Canon AE-135 you know, program uh, with the zoom lens, all that was taken. I think all that, you know, I can replace all of that. I walked in and there was where there had been a bag with an 8-millimeter camera. The camera bag and everything was gone. And I remember sitting on the, the, the edge of the couch, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. We had just taken that camera to see my mom, and every video tape that we had was we put in there because my mom wanted to watch all of the stuff, uh, you know, uh, first birthday parties and the birth of children and, and on and on and on. And I just sat there and wept. I just sat there and cried like a baby. You can buy new albums. You can replace stereo systems. You can replace cameras. But you can't get that stuff back. It was all in that bag, that, 
that bag. And I sat there, and I just cried like a baby. I called the police, and the police came out. They went through the house, and the guy came out. He wasn't there maybe 15 or 20 minutes. He wrote out a form, and he said, uh, I would... Uh, I'd tell you to go to the pawn shops and see if you can find any of your stuff, if you have the serial numbers written down, that kind of stuff. I'd go check out the pawn shops, and I said, I said well, aren't you going to come and dust, you know, for fingerprints? See, I, I've, I've seen these crime shows on TV, and they, they come in, and they, they dust, and they catch the perpetrators, and, and, and they put them in jail. And uh, he said, no, we're, we're not going to dust for fingerprints. I said, what do you mean? He says, Mr. Britt, he says, this, this report that I'm giving you, I'm going to file that, and it's going to go on the bottom of a stack of robberies about this high. He said, there's been a rash of robberies in your neighborhood. He said, people case the place, and when they see somebody drive off, they know everybody's gone or everybody's at work. And he said, what they do is they, they go around, they smash, they come in, they open the garage, and they back into it and they just load all your stuff up, and then they drive away. And he said, probably, they probably weren't even here 15 minutes. He said, this will go on a stack about this high on the bottom. And he said, I'd just suggest you to go to all the pawn shops and see if you can find any of your stuff. Man, I had a hollow, hollow feeling. I said, I thought, is that all? You're not going to help me get my stuff back? You're not going to help me catch these guys? And that night and for several nights after that, I can guarantee you, lying in bed awake, it's a weird feeling. Knowing that somebody's been in your house. Knowing that somebody has stolen your stuff. They've walked around in here. They've taken stuff that belonged to you. And some things that were irreplaceable irreplaceable. And you know what? I've never seen any of that stuff back. I never got any of it back. Went to pawn shops, looked around. Nobody, nobody knew anything. Nobody had anything. And man, I looked everywhere, all over Oklahoma City. Jesus said this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what Satan's all about. That's what the devil is all about. All he wants to do is to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. And not just have life, but have it to the full have the abundant life. So you understand that there, there are a lot of people who are alive that are living, but they don't have life. They're, they're just existing. They're just going through the motions. Jesus said, I, I have come that they might not just have life, but have it abundantly, have the full life. So I want to ask you this morning, what kind of things has the devil stolen? What kind of things has the devil stolen in your life? 
For some here this morning, it's, it's joy. The devil has stolen your joy. He's robbed you of that joy, that maybe that contentment that is only found in Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want, because none of that matters if I'm in Christ. That's where true contentment is. Some of you have allowed Satan to steal your joy, your contentment. The devil has stolen our peace. You know, alcohol abuse, drugs, the rising use of pornography, stolen our relationships. We don't even know how to have a conversation anymore. The most powerful phone known to man, it's more powerful than any computer you ever grew up with. I'm holding it in the palm of my hand. And, and we don't even know how to have a conversation with each other anymore. You see people out at a restaurant, four people sitting at a booth, and all four of them are on their phone. They're not talking. They're not conversing with one another. We've allowed, we have allowed Satan to rob us of our relationships. Men don't know how to be intimate with their wives because they're watching pornography. They're seeing things that, that don't happen at home. And we've allowed Satan to rob us of our intimacy. For some, Satan has stolen our families. There are some here today who have grown children who are not faithful in the Lord. Satan has robbed us. He's stolen from us. He's stolen our marriages. There are those here this morning who know all too well the grief, the pain, the heartache of divorce. We have allowed him to steal that which is most precious to us. For some here this morning, Satan has stolen your health, maybe your mental health. Anxiety, stress, depression is rampant in our world, in, in our world here. Food addictions, something to help us cope with what we're going through. And maybe, most importantly, we've allowed Satan to steal our purpose, our mission. Why are we here? What is, what is my life all about? We've allowed him to steal our purpose, which is to bring glory to God, to bring praise and glory and honor. To God. 
If any of these have struck a nerve with you this morning, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear me. Number one, you are not alone. You are not alone. The thief has stolen something, something from every one of us. But I believe it's time that we stand up this morning and say, I want my stuff back. I want my stuff back. And what you need to know is that you have a big brother. And your big brother has got your back. And he is able. And his name is Jesus. You say, I want my stuff back, and Jesus is here, and he's going to help me. If we're going to reclaim our property, we've got to know that it will not be by our own power. It will not be by our own intellect. It will only be by the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. We have, we've allowed Satan, Satan, Satan is very cunning, okay? What you have to understand is Satan has had thousands of years of practice on human beings. Did you realize that? Satan has had thousands of years to study us. Satan is not more powerful than God, okay? Greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world, right? Satan is not more powerful than God, but he is more powerful than you and I. And we will not reclaim our property. We will not get our stuff back on our own. It will only be by the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work within us. Some of us have just given things away. You know, sometimes Satan comes and steals and robs, you know, just like the, the seed that was planted in the soil. Sometimes Satan just comes and snatches that up. But I'm afraid that all too often, you and I have willingly sold that which is precious for next to nothing that which is the most precious and sacred to us, we have given away for next to nothing because of our own flesh, because of our own sinful desires. Those sinful desires, they give birth. When they're full grown, they give birth to death. We can, we can blame the devil for a lot of things, but sometimes it's just on us because we, in our own sinful desires, we've given things away. I've given a lot away in my life. And I think it's time to stand up and say, I want my stuff back. I'm here to get my stuff back. And Jesus 
Jesus is his name. He is our brother. And he took on flesh and became just like us so that he would know, so that he would know what it's like to be tempted, so that he would know the schemes of the devil, so that he would know what it was like to come face to face with the enemy and conquer through the power of the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he has given us that same power, that same Spirit, to dwell within us. I look around and I see, I see our world. I, you know, the last couple of Sundays, Paul and I have been in with the, the teenage class and, and, and talking to the teenagers and sharing with them. And, and this morning, it was just so evident to me that they live in such a different world than the world I grew up in. It's so different in so many ways. Satan is robbing and stealing and destroying at every opportunity that he has. And those of us who are older, those of us who can love and mentor them, we need to stand up and say, it's time we got our stuff back. We've given away too much. But it's only by the power, only by the power of the Holy Spirit that that will be accomplished. Let's bow, let's pray, and I'm going to get on my knees, and if you so desire, you can get on your knees before the, before the Father, and let's just pray and ask him to help us. Father God, I confess to you this morning, Father, that I am a sinner. Father, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy on us. Father, we realize that the thief has come to steal and to rob us of our joy, our peace, our contentment. He's torn our families apart. He's ravaged us. And Father, all too often that falls on us. We've looked and we've seen that the fruit was pleasing and good for food, and we've, we've taken that fruit and we've eaten it. Father, forgive us. We've given way too much away. Father, the days are evil. Who knows how much time we have left? Father, we need to redeem the most of this time that we have here on this earth. Father, forgive us of our sins. Let us rise from this prayer in the power of your Holy Spirit, knowing that he is greater. He is greater than he who is in the world. Father, we want our families to be restored. We want relationships to be healed. We want Jesus to be glorified. Father, have mercy on us as sinners. May we rise as Jesus did from the dead from this prayer with renewed strength by the power of your Spirit. Father, help us to say no to ungodliness, to the ways of this world. Father, we are to be a, a peculiar people, not just in the way we dress, not just 
in using some church lingo, but we are to be different, different from the world, holy, pleasing to you. Father, help us. Help us. Have mercy on us. We want our stuff back. And we know that you can do it. You can do it. The scars can remain. They will remain. But lives can be healed. Brokenness can be put back together. And we want it, Father, for your glory. You are worthy. All of this, Father, I pray in the strong and precious name of Jesus. Amen.